Hey, so this week, I read about a man who worried so much that he decided to hire someone to do his worrying for him. Um, He found a man who agreed, and he said, okay, I'm going to hire you for a salary of $200,000 per year. And the man eagerly accepted the job. And his first question to his boss was, where are you going to get the $200,000 per year to pay me? To which the man responded, well, that's your worry now. (laughs) What am I going to do? These past few weeks, we have been talking about battling anxiety together. And I'm so glad you're here today, whether it's your first time here or you've been tracking with us through this series. Um, As Daniel mentioned, there's a big, long red ladder here hanging to my right. And this is to remind us what we're talking about today. Um, When I was praying through this series, just asking the Lord what he would want to do uh, in us and through us, um, he gave me this prophetic picture and um, in, my, in my spirit, it felt like there were some of us who were in really rough waters, maybe a really difficult season, a really anxious season. Uh, perhaps some of us have been in that season for a really long time. We feel really in over our heads. And God was saying that through this series of messages, he was going to send us a lifeline. In my mind, it was like this, like a prophetic picture of a helicopter flying over uh, as a rescue helicopter would, seeing us drowning in the water, uh, begging for help, and that God himself would let down this rope ladder to offer an escape. And what the rope ladder represented was the promises and the truth of who God is and what he he says is what he means and who he is 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 true. And so anxiety is a hard issue. It it isn't solved easily and I'm not here to pretend that it's just something we can talk about for three weeks and all of a sudden maybe something you've been dealing with all of your life is gonna go away. But what I do believe is as we talk about the truth and the promises of who God is, that even if it's going to take a little bit of a climb, even if the storm is still swirling around you, even if work may still need to happen or or a process would happen, that the person of Jesus Christ can be something that you can hang on to as you battle through anxiety. So I'm so excited that you're here today just to talk about this. We've been primarily looking at one particular scripture. I want to put it on the screen for us to read. It's from Philippians 4, 4 through 7. And it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so if you remember, Paul is writing this. Um, he's writing this from prison because he is locked up because he was spreading the gospel and people didn't like that. And so he is giving us some really practical tips of things to do when we battle anxiety. Now, I don't know about you, but I think um, for me, and I'm hoping some of you will relate, um, oftentimes one of the major side effects of a life played with anxiety is you can be paralyzed. You know you don't want to be where you are, but you don't even have enough strength to do anything different. In fact, I think on my hardest anxiety days, I just want to lay in my bed and put the covers over (laughs) and, and just hope that I don't have to make any decisions, right? Just paralyzing fear. And unfortunately, the longer that we let anxiety control us, the harder it is to stand up and fight back. 
The enemy will convince us we're defeated before we even begin. And we're just exhausted talking about it. We're just exhausted thinking about it. In fact, maybe someone has offered you help in your anxiety, or maybe you're the person who has offered a loved one help, and they didn't take it, and that was super frustrating to you. Or, or you could watch the person feel very frustrated. But what you just wish they could understand is you're so tired of the fight that, that you have a hard time just even showing up to engage in the battle. You may feel like you don't know what to do. You may feel like you can't do anything. But I think we can all agree on this one. Worry doesn't work. Am I right? Like, worry doesn't work. The thing that we tend to to just kind of autopilot into, worry doesn't work. Has worry ever helped anything? Worry doesn't prevent injuries. Worry doesn't create the money we need to pay the bills. Worry doesn't find us a job or a husband. Or or, or worry doesn't write the paper that's due on Monday. Like, worry itself doesn't work. In fact, the scripture addresses this in Matthew 6, 27. It says, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Worry, it doesn't work. And doing nothing doesn't work, because as I just talked about, it just paralyzes you more and more and more. And so, to combat anxiety, we have to do something. And I believe that Paul understood this. I mean, he's in prison. He had all of these ridiculous circumstances that led him there. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But he's saying, okay, listen, uh, doing nothing isn't going to get you anywhere. It's going to get you in the same spot you are. Worrying isn't helping. So let me give you some alternative action steps. The first thing he says in Philippians 4, he says, rejoice always. And we talked about this on week one, that we have to decide within ourselves who we believe is actually in charge. Because if we believe that God is sovereign and God is in control of the universe, then we can rejoice. We don't have to have the feeling of joy, but we can stand and say that these circumstances are showing me one thing, but I can trust God because he's in control. Then he says in that scripture, don't be anxious about anything. We talked about that last week in week two. And Paul isn't suggesting, okay, just like sheer willpower, will yourself out of being anxious for anything. And we even talked about how this is a tall order from the scripture. Don't be anxious about, or or be anxious about less things would even be quite the, the progress, right? But it says, don't be anxious about anything. In fact, have you ever gotten more anxious because you're trying not to be anxious? Would anyone, do I have a witness? Have you ever been worried that you'll get worried? Like, I'm so worried when I get there, I'm going to get worried. (laughs) And then we just have this, this spiral. Here's the thing about anxiety. It doesn't make sense. It's irrational. And that's why when sometimes we try to talk ourselves out, we try to give ourselves like a rational pep talk that actually isn't going to happen, that doesn't always help because sometimes that's why it's so hard to combat what is causing us so angsty about is because it's irrational. We can't even really put our finger on it. We can't even nail it down. And so last week, we talked about some practical ways to live out that command, don't be anxious about anything. And if you missed it, make sure you catch it on the podcast uh, because it was really, really practical. I believe it's really going to help you. But we talked about, uh, in the scripture, a man named Elijah, and he was this great prophet. He was a man who saw God do a lot of miracles, saw God do a lot of miracles through him. He saw the power and the presence of God, and he, he still struggled with anxiety. 
He still had some major fears that he wrestled with all of his life. And in fact, one of the things that the scripture says Elijah really worried about was dying. I mean, he was just really afraid of dying. And so uh, this was a very real threat. In this case, um, it actually wasn't irrational because people were literally chasing him all over the countryside uh, trying to kill him. Um, But he feared his life. I mean, he was, was hiding in caves. He was really, really afraid. And we saw in the scripture how gracious God was with Elijah. If you remember, God meets Elijah right in his pain. He says, um, you're on this mountain. I'm going to whisper you some courage. I'm going to tell you what to do. He meets him right in his pain. And as we continue to read the story of Elijah, I didn't get to share this with you last week, um, but I, I'm just so overwhelmed uh, by the goodness and the kindness of God. Because we see what happens as we look at the end of Elijah's story in 2 Kings 2.11. It says, as they, which is Elijah and his buddy Elisha, were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Now here's why that's so significant. Elijah's greatest fear never even happened. Like, he never experienced death like the rest of all of humanity. (laughs) Okay, he never experienced death. God chose to just take him up with this grand exit of chariots of fire and horses. And the thing that Elijah was the most anxious about, the thing that he probably spent the most time worrying about is the very thing that was never going to happen. Come on, that will preach right there. That will preach. We spend all this time feeling anxious and God is saying, listen, my kindness and my goodness, the things that you're worrying about may not even ever happen. So today I want to look at this third practical step in this passage of scripture, um, the rest of verse six, where it says, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, I know what you're thinking. Um, oh great, the pastor's gonna tell us to pray. <laughs> like, how predictable, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's very cliche. Thanks, pastor. Anything else more helpful, you know? <laughs> As if you haven't prayed a million times. And I believe that some of you are in circumstances in your situations, you're facing some really heavy days, or maybe you have in the past. And, and for me, just to tell you to, to pray all the time might feel a little trite. So here's what I want to talk about today. Yes, we need to pray. And I'm going to talk about why that's so important. But first, I want to cover this question. What do we do when praying doesn't seem to be working? What do we do when praying about our anxieties doesn't seem to be working? Because I'd be willing to bet many of you who are followers of Christ, if you've had something that you're anxious about, you've probably brought it to God. At least once, maybe. At least, at least you, you've said, God, you know what's bothering me. You. You've brought it to God. But what do we do when praying doesn't appear with our natural eyes to be working? You know, unanswered prayers can lead us to ask this question sometimes. We sometimes say it out loud if we're brave. Most of the time we wrestle with it privately. But it's this question, does God even care about me? Like, does God even care? 
because I know he's everywhere and he sees me all the time. But does God even care about me? Because I don't know why I'd be dealing with all of this. I don't know why it's not just being taken away if God really does care. And that's a question that the word of God answers without any debate. And I just want to settle that in your mind right now. Not only does God just care about you, he loves you so unconditionally. He loves you so lavishly that he was willing to lay down his life for you and take all your shame and all your sin and take your place on a cross. And even as we speak, he is building a future for us in heaven, a place where we can live with him forever in all his goodness and all his glory. So does God care about you? Oh, more than we'll ever understand. My, my brother, I have two brothers, my youngest brother just recently they had a baby, she's a few months old. And he said to me, Nicole, I just, I just can't even understand how much God loves me when I look at how much I love this kid. Like, like I can't even understand like, the, the, the goodness of God. It must be so much bigger because I can't even be away from her. Everything she does is cute. She farts, I think it's adorable. <laughs> you know, what is going on? And God loves me so much more than this. It's amazing how much God cares for us. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, sometimes, often, when we cast our anxiety to God, we give it to God in prayer, we expect him to fix it. We want solutions. We want change. We want something to be different. But this scripture doesn't say cast all your anxiety on Jesus because he'll fix it. Give it to God so he'll fix it. The scripture says cast all your anxiety on him so he can care about it. So he can care about it with you. You know, we often translate caring equals fixing. How many, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have had those marriage conversations where you, the wife usually comes to the husband like, I'm just having this problem and I just want you to just hold me. And the husband's like already on the phone, like, I'm just fixing the problem, honey. And you're like, no, don't fix it. Just, just listen, just care about me. Just my house and nobody else out there. All right, I'll give you that one. But we think caring, caring is comfortability. If somebody cares about me, if God cares about me, then he is going to make my life easy. He's going to make my life painless. Caring means, God, take all the stuff I don't like. (laughs) Don't make me wait for anything. Take it all away because that's what caring is. But God's promise here is that if we give our anxieties to him, he will come be with us in them. Maybe he'll bring a solution. He is the God of the way maker. He is the way maker. I'm not saying there's never a solution. But what this is saying is mostly God will come. He will sit down with you in the middle of your fear and he will care about it. He will care deeply about it. And this was Paul's experience. And this is why he wrote in Philippians 4, 6, pray in every situation. There is no problem too big. There is no problem too small. If it's important enough to worry about, then it's important enough to pray about. And God is saying, you bring every single situation. I bet Paul prayed about some pretty frivolous, small things for him to write this and say, every single thing. And in this case, it's not that your prayer isn't working. Jesus cares fully. 
He cares so much. He wants to come in with you, and he wants to be part of your of your situation. He wants to help you in the middle of it. But so often we think because it's not getting fixed that God's not paying attention. But that's not at all what he is saying. In fact, sometimes I do this spiritual exercise in my life and I want, I want you to try it with me, okay? Um, so close your eyes, but don't fall asleep. And I want you just right now, uh, just visualize uh, the anxiety that you're facing right now. Or maybe it's someone that you... Um, Maybe you don't have something, but someone in your life. Just visualize it right now. A relationship that's broken, a, a friend who's running from God, a financial need, a family member struggling with addiction. Now, I want you to ask Jesus to show you where he is in this scene. What part is he playing? Where is he sitting? Where is he standing? What is he doing he is present. He has not forgotten you. He cares for you. And he wants to meet you right there in that scene. Okay, you can open your eyes. When we are struggling, when we are feeling like God is not answering our prayers, we have to keep in perspective that God thinks eternally and we think temporarily. God thinks eternally. We think temporarily. We see right now, we see this second of our lives. God sees all 100 years, or give or take, at one time. He sees our whole lives at one time. And so to our finite minds, this second means everything. This moment means everything. But to God, forever means everything. So if a stress or a tension has to exist, this second to accomplish something on the other side of eternity, God is willing to do that. I know that's frustrating for us. Uh, I know that doesn't make sense to us, but we live, we live one second lives and God lives for eternity. And so he's looking at us saying, oh, I know, I'm, I'm right in the middle of this with you. This is difficult right now, but as we sang, I'm working it all back to good. I'm turning it all around. Would you just wait for, for, for minute 37 of the movie? I know right now it feels stressful. I know right now you feel like there's no way out. But God is looking at it from this eternal perspective. We say, Jesus, you need to fix this right now. And Jesus says, don't worry about anything because I'm taking care of you today and I'm going to take care of you forever. It's interesting because Jesus actually answers this timeless question in the scripture. Obviously, people were asking him then, as we do now, what do we do when praying doesn't seem to be working? And we find this in Luke 18, uh, 1 through 5. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Now at first, when you read this parable, it's a little bit hard to digest because you're like, am I the widow or the judge? Which one's God? I mean, it all just seems a little what's going on here. But the character of the judge is not intended to reflect God. God is not a reluctant judge who we have to pester until he breaks down to give us what he wants. 
Okay, that is not who God is. In fact, this is what they call a parable of contrast, not comparison. This is a parable of contrast. Jesus is saying, in contrast to this judge I'm describing, God never complains or murmurs about your requests. God never pushes you off. God never gets tired of your voice. God cares about your thoughts. God wants every thought and every situation. And in contrast to the marginalized widow in this parable who had nowhere to turn, we are children of the king. That we are loved, we're forgiven, we're not at the bottom of the pecking order, we're first in line, we're the head, not the tail. We can get to God at any moment, at any time. We don't have to come and bang on the door for justice. God says, would you come? Persist in prayer, don't give up, because all our prayers are heard, even when we are not in the natural seeing anything change. We cannot measure our prayers by how how we feel when we pray them. That's just not the accurate measure of prayer. So Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I love how it gives you the tone, the big mood of your prayers. That was an Instagram joke. Um, Thanksgiving, you need to be thankful as we pray, thankful. And then it talks about all the different kinds of prayer. Let me tell you this, a specific prayer is a powerful prayer. A specific prayer is a powerful prayer. Think about the difference in these two requests. Do you mind if I stop by your house sometime? Or what if I say, can I come over Friday at 4? I mean, I'm serious. Like, I'm coming over Friday at 4. I gave you a day. I gave you a time. You may may feel like you know my request is sincere because I'm specific. And I think God sees it the same way. Specific prayer is a rope ladder to us in the storm of anxiety. And if we can distill the challenge that we're facing into one specific prayer phrase, we can bring it down to a size to manage it. Reduce the problem to a prayer-sized challenge. Max Lucado is a pastor and an author. He suggests this. He says, use the you said statements in the scripture. So here's an example. Um, you said you would walk me through the waters So help me cope with the loss of my loved one. You said you would lead me through the valley. So help me find a job that can sustain my family. You said you would never leave me nor forsake me. So please take away this deep, aching loneliness that I feel. Here's the deal. You can hold God to his word. You can hold him to his word. If he said it, he meant it. And so take a a, a scripture, something that, that... God said, and you hold on to it. You find a promise that fits your problem and build your prayer around it. The answer may not come overnight, but it will come. That's what God says. Now, the scripture is not suggesting that we tell God what to do and and the power of prayer isn't finding the exact right words. God is not manipulated, but he is moved by a sincere, specific request. He is moved by that. So when we think about praying through our anxieties, one really powerful tool, and I just want to end here today, is that of fasting. And we've been talking a little bit about this last week, and and, uh, Jeff brought this up when he shared. Now, God does not require us to fast. I want to be very clear with you all, and, and I'm not either. God doesn't require you to fast, but he does reward those who choose to. Matthew 6, 17 through 18 says, when you fast, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And one of the rewards that we see when people fast 
is breakthrough. One of the rewards that we see is breakthrough. When we fast, we position ourselves for breakthrough. And so I want to encourage you that God is the God of breakthrough. And I believe, and it's been confirmed by so many people who who pray for this church and pray for me, that he is wanting to help many of us break out of the anxiousness we have been dealing with for a long season. That God actively wants us to petition him for the fulfillment of the breakthrough. After all, the point is for us to know the God of the breakthrough, not just to experience the breakthrough, but to get to know the one who gives us the victory. And so when he says, bring it all to me and, and do it by praying, do it by request and do it by petition, you know what the point is? Because at the end of the day, when you, when you get your breakthrough, you stand there and say, boy, I know the God who gave me this. He is loving and he is gracious and he cares for me. He cares for me. I want to encourage you as you, as you fast this week that if you, even, if you even get a little breakthrough, like if just something happens that, that you're like, wow, I just never thought that would happen. Maybe it's, maybe it's one day without anxiety. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, a situation at work that after you went home, you were, you were not totally losing your mind over it. And every other time that happened, you did feel that way. Whatever the little breakthroughs are, that you would just praise God for that. That you would tune your ears to the sound of breakthrough. <laughs> Because oftentimes what happens is we get so preoccupied for, of like looking at the horizon for the huge deliverance moment that we miss all of the pieces of answered prayer scattered before that, right? And so we just wait for like the day that we're totally delivered and like never have an anxious thought again. But how about before that happens, and I believe that it will for you, but you say, wow, it was Tuesday and usually I get really, really keyed up on Tuesdays because we have this particular meeting, but today I felt good. Today, the peace of God surpasses my all understanding. Today, I got on the airplane and I didn't totally have a panic attack. Today, I did this and God's gonna say, yes, remember the victory I'm bringing you. Remember the faithfulness of God. And he's gonna string us through into the power and the presence of God. So God is rarely only up to one thing. Our nature is to kind of look for the big finish and he can do that too. But oftentimes he says, listen, the constant daily communion, the working through every circumstance with thanksgiving and prayer and requests is the thing that brings the peace of God. And so I don't have time to talk all about how to fast effectively or safely, but we put that all on our website and our Facebook page. You can get it from your small group leader. But I really want to urge you to join in our week-long corporate fast so together we can experience the breakthrough God is wanting to give us. I've asked about Uh, 20 prayer partners that are here in the congregation this week to to call many of you and just say, hey, what can I pray for you about? Don't get weirded out, okay? Just tell them. Remember, it's a group project. We're doing this together. And they're gonna pray for you this week. (laughs) They're, they're They're gonna care about what you care about just like God does. They're gonna model what God does for us and they're gonna pray for you. And I'm believing that next week when we get back together, It's going to be an overflow weekend. We're going to have some extended worship and that there's going to be so many testimonies of the goodness of God. There's going to be so many that are going to say that that I have been battling this for so long, but God has brought me through. God has delivered me. He has set me free. He has made me new. I don't think the same way anymore. I I don't act the same way way anymore, that, that God has done something new and different in my life. I believe so much that God's going to do that this week, and he has been doing that. And so I'm, I'm already looking forward to next Sunday, and this Sunday isn't even over yet. Because God's going to come and meet us 
because he cares for us. When we cast all our anxiety on him, he cares for us. So let me pray for us to end today. Father God, your goodness and your kindness is overwhelming. God, I love how, how we see how you, deal, you dealt with Elijah and, and his biggest fear and his biggest concern, you just met him right in his pain. And, and you didn't shake your finger at him, God. You said, I'm with you in this. I'm with you in this. And your kindness extended that even his greatest fear didn't even happen. God, I pray right now for those in this room that have prayed maybe about situations that have caused them great anxiety and nothing seems to be shifting. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that they could see that you care so deeply about them and you care so deeply about what they're facing and what they're going through. And God, I ask that you would be the God of breakthrough. You do it best. You do it in ways that we can't even understand, in supernatural ways. And so, God, we just wait in anticipation for the miracles and the changes and the things that you're going to do this week in us and through us and around us. And, God, we, we promise we'll notice that, that we'll trust you for it. Lord, that you've done it before and you're going to do it again. And, God, we love you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we can come before you humbly that we can ask you with earnestness, God, for these things. Not, not in a demanding way, but in a way, God, that we know your ability. We know that you are able, that you are strong, that you're sovereign, and that you're in charge. And God, we're trusting you for these things. And it's in your name I pray, amen. Thank you for coming to church today. I love you guys so much. See you next week.